number 585, Who Are the Protestants? Preached on Reformation Day, Sunday, October 31st, 1971, in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown. Text is Matthew 3, 1 through 12. Matthew, the third chapter, beginning to read at verse 1. At that time, John the Baptist came and started preaching in the desert of Judea. Turn away from your sins, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John was the one that the prophet Isaiah was talking about when he said, Someone is shouting in the desert. Get the Lord's road ready for him. Make a straight path for him to travel. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. People came to him from Jerusalem, from the whole province of Judea, and from all the country around the Jordan Valley. They confessed their sins, and he baptized them in the Jordan River. When John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him to be baptized, he said to them, You snakes, who told you that you could escape from God's wrath that is about to come? Do the things that will show that you have turned from your sins, and do not think you can excuse yourselves by saying, Abraham is our ancestor. I tell you that God can take these rocks and make descendants for Abraham. The axe is ready to cut the trees at the roots. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water to show that you have repented. But the one who will come after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is much greater than I am. I am not good enough even to carry his sandals. He has his winnowing shovel with him to thresh out all the grain. He will gather his wheat into his barn, but burn the chaff in a fire that never goes out. Protestant is a very difficult thing to define. There are some individuals who think that a Protestant is anyone who voluntarily joins and becomes a part of any one of the 226 plus denominations which span the ecclesiastical spectrum from higher Episcopalianism to Holy Roller Pentecostalism. Then there are other people who think that you can become a Protestant by process of elimination. You have no Jewish blood in your veins. You cannot accept the hierarchy and the principles of Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy is too complex to understand. So by virtue of the fact that you have no church membership and you never attend worship, by process of elimination, you become a Protestant. 
There are others who think that Protestants only can be defined as people who live in the tradition and follow the teachings of the great reformers like Martin Luther and John Calvin and some of the others like John Knox. But unless you are an individual who has some understanding and a belief in things like justification by faith and that the scripture alone is the sole authority for faith and practice and that as Christians it is our responsibility to be priests to other believers of the Lord. Then and only then when you have these beliefs and practice them then you are in the truest sense a Protestant. Ah, we have many ways of defining and thinking of those people, those of us who belong to one of the three branches of the total Christian faith. But I think the definition that I like best is the one that recently I came across and which I have borrowed from Dr. David H.C. Reed, the great pastor of the Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Dr. Reed said that Protestantism, more than anything else, is a temper of the soul. It's an attitude of the spirit. And people can be classified as Protestants by whether or not they have this temperament, this, this temper of the soul, this attitude of the spirit. In thinking about that, I, I felt, yes, there are some things which are definitely Protestant. I think that such a temper of soul must, must be a soul or a personality or a spirit in an individual that is aware, that is alert and aware to not only the good but the evil that there is in tradition. Not only the good but the evil that there is in tradition. Tradition is a wonderful and glorious thing. Those of us who just celebrated the 100th anniversary of this great church know of the, the inspiration and the support and the value that comes because of yesterday's history. Any person or any nation or any church that has not some understanding and appreciation for its glorious past is only at the mercy of any passing philosophy or transient fanaticism. As the scriptures say, these people can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Our tradition is a marvelous and a wonderful thing, but also it can be an evil thing. When we begin to worship the traditions of God more than we do the God of tradition. Tradition and heritage can be a very dangerous and evil thing. Jesus teaches us that. Remember one day when the Pharisees came unto Jesus asking him a question, tell us, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders by refusing to wash their hands before they eat. Why? And Jesus retorted with another question. Why do you people transgress 
God's commandments for the tradition of men. And then he went on for some other teachings there in the 15th chapter of Matthew, and then he ends up with this, for the sake of the traditions of men you make void the word of God, you hypocrites. Jesus, you see, tried to warn those people who had a lovely tradition in the day of his flesh that tradition can be evil. John the Baptizer, we read it in our scripture lesson this morning, really started out in his ministry in trouble because he was trying to show, trying to, show to the religious people of his day the inherent disease and evil that can be within tradition. He got before him the Sadducees and the Sadducees who were the upholders of tradition, the keepers of the law, those who said we have to do things today because this is the way they were done yesterday. You see, they believe that the way you run away from evil, the way you stay fresh and the way you stay clean, the way that you protect yourself from having horrible things happen to you, is a belief in the inheritance that they were the descendants of Abraham. They felt that as long as they could claim that great heritage, and as long as they could become those people who were the inheritors of a great faith, nothing would really happen to them which would harm and hurt them. Yet John was the one who troubled that false idea of hope. He tried to tell these people that it's wonderful to have a godly heritage, but merely to stand in a succession of holiness is not enough. Merely to be the inheritors of a faith which was great in one day is not enough. But the people didn't like it, and John had to point out to them that just because they were followers of great men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that in of itself was not enough and that God could very easily raise up from the stones of the earth seeds that would be greater unto Abraham. And we must never forget that it was exactly 454 years ago today that God raised up some new seeds, some new stones from unexpected and peculiar places because the people of the church of that day were worshiping their tradition more than they were the God who made the tradition. And those individuals like Luther and like Calvin and like Knox, and we could name a whole list of them, these were men that God raised up to become Protestants because they had not forgotten that in tradition there is not only good but also evil. It happened 450 plus years ago, and ladies and gentlemen, it can happen again today. Just because we think we are in the great tradition of Calvin, and of Luther, and because we belong to the good old Presbyterian Church, everything's going to be all right. Don't fool yourself with that idea. If we become people who bless our tradition more than the God who gave it, then God may out there somewhere have to raise up new stones in peculiar and unexpected places to become his Protestants in the world of tomorrow. It happened once in history and it ha can happen again. We pray that it will not have 
to, but this can be only if the Protestants of today become alert and aware that in tradition there is not only good, but in tradition there also can be evil. And the best way that I think we can remember that is by having a spiritual temper, a temper of the soul which enables us to be reminded and to be alert to the word of God, to the power of God's being alive and his action in the world today. You see, the reformers were not people who had some new God to introduce to a new group of followers. The reformers were individuals who could speak only of new experiences of the power and the presence of God in their lives. Martin Luther had a glorious experience of the living God by researching the book of Romans in the Holy Bible. And because of this, he felt a new power and felt a new presence. He felt a transformation and a reformation, and he wanted to tell everybody else about it. Not to brag, but merely to make others acquainted of the fact that God lives. He is alive, and he, he does things today. He's here. He has power, and he's working this very moment. This is what a Protestant is. A Protestant was called back in the 16th century, and he's still in God's sight, an individual who is a Protestant today, if he is alert to the power and the presence of God working today. We love to say in our traditions that God is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's all-near, and he's right here with us. But is it not truth and reality that he is not here unless we are aware that he is here? His presence and his power means absolutely nothing if we are not alert to that power and that presence here in our midst. These are the Protestants who are talking about and experiencing the power of God in the world today. That's why some of us are watching very closely what sociologists and theologians are calling today the Jesus Revolution. Though we do not agree, perhaps, in what some of these people are saying, these Jesus freaks, these Jesus people, nor do we perhaps like what it is that they are doing, there's one thing that they are doing for which they must receive credit. They are alert to the presence and the power of God, and they are helping some of us who have forgotten that God is not dead, but very much alive, and he's still doing things in the world today that he did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He's still converting people, yes. He's still transforming lives. He's still making clean that which is dirty. He's still making people new. This is the Protestant who still believes in a first-class conversion and who believes that God can change a person's life still today in this highly technical and educational age, who still believes that God heals and God forgives and that a man can be new in Jesus Christ. Do you still believe that? Do you? 
You see, this is one of the reasons why we're working so hard in Bethel around here, and let me say it. That was a great thrill Wednesday night to see more than 180 people in this sanctuary with notebooks and pencils and Bibles in hand and, and for the look of anticipation that I saw from up here in your faces. I've had so many people mention to me the great testimony that that parking lot has made when they realized on Wednesday night those people were in here not for the bazaar or for the dinner, but to study the Word of God. That's a great tribute to you people, a tremendous witness to your faith, and I'm very thankful that I can be a part of it. And the reason we're going through all of this, you see, is with the hope that some of you will be able to, through the study of God's Word, be alert to the fact that that same Word is alive and present and working in our lives today. So that those things that happened to Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob and to the, to the prophets and to the judges and to the kings and to the disciples can happen to us today anew. And they will happen, ladies and gentlemen. Believe me, we are on the verge of seeing what some of you are going to call miracles happen within this congregation. We've already seen some tremendous things happen in these last few months. We've seen lives change, people converted, people with a new peace and a new understanding and a new sense of mission, what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is being in the Protestant tradition. This means far more than any word or advertisement can mean as what it is to be a part of the Reformation. It's when we are alert to the power and to the presence of the God who lives today. The Protestant is also one who is alert and aware to the needs of the time. See, the Protestant Reformation was just not an accident. What happened in Germany more than 450 years ago could happen and did happen because the medieval Roman Catholic Church had fallen asleep to the needs of the time. Those people, those church leaders, those preachers and priests were so involved in oiling the ecclesiastical machinery and trying to keep alive tradition and, and petty practices that, lo and behold, they became asleep to the needs of the time. The people were calling. God was working through the events in history, and they heard them not because all they wanted to do was to talk about the good old days and about the traditions and about the things that they must continue. So God raised up some new people who knew not only of the power and the presence and who were alert to that working of God in the world of that day, but God raised up people who were alert to the needs of the time. That was what was so great about Martin Luther and John Calvin. They were contemporaries of their day. They knew what was going on. They felt the sense of need. And they had that great urgency to do something which made sense in their day. This is the Protestant of today. Not only one who is aware that God is working in the world, but who intelligently interprets the needs of today and tries to bring these two things together. 
the people who are conscious that we have in this nation in the world a great racial problem and who with the eternal word of God are trying to meet the needs of today and to do something by the power of God to alleviate the tensions and the pressures that are brought on between men of different colored skin. Protestant today is a man who knows the power of God but also knows the needs of the people throughout the world who realize that there is poverty throughout the world and who tries to do something under the power of God and through his influence to alleviate the world of such evils. A Protestant is a man or a woman or a young person who today is conscious not only that God is working, but is also under the realization that in politics, in business, and yes, even in the church of today, there is corruption and there is evil. And that needs to be eliminated and to the best of his ability under the power of God, he draws what he can through his power and his influence to eliminate such evil. That is who a Protestant is. And ladies and gentlemen, on this Reformation Day Sunday, we do not really honor our forefathers and those who worshiped in this great place before us. We really do not justice to Luther and to Calvin and to Knox, our religious grandparents, by just mentioning their names and just by thanking God for their work and for their lives. We don't do them honor when we just try to solve the problems the same way that they did. That we are true Protestants falling in their tradition when we in our lives have that Protestant temper of the soul, that Protestant spirit and attitude, which is alert not only to the good but the evil in tradition, alert to the power and the presence of God working today and alert to the needs of our world and what needs to be done today. And as you think upon that, remember also the words of John. If we are not true to our tradition and become the Protestants and have that same temper of soul that did our Protestant forefathers, God will have to raise up stones from other places to become the people that he needs in the world today. He wants us, but if we do not respond, he'll choose someone else, and we shall not have the destiny for which we have been created. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, bless us on this day in our church, and may it not be something that we commemorate only with prayers and with thanksgiving, but with new dedication to the Protestant way of life. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We ask that the power of his presence and the nearness of his own self, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to be and abide with you all now and forevermore. 
Amen.